Okay. I feel like we should have some some sweet jams playing while people log in. We have 15 people. Da, da, should, we da, just, da, should we play the music right now? No, it's not time yet, producer Nick. You got to let more people da, get on the straight da. first. Okay. Ba, 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 all right. Is that ba, ba, Harrison ba, ba, is laying down some, some sweet jams? Well, it's safe to say that we're live. Uh, we're getting comments already. I hope they're about your singing. Uh, probably the What's Up Nerds one. Oh, no. Probably. Oh, no. Oh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> who's father josh sounds like a punk i don't know who that guy is sounds like someone who'd wear trucker hats mm. Mm. unfortunately wow it's only been 53 seconds of us being live and you've tripled the amount of people who followed riley and i live that's <laughs> was not difficult to do all right how about we uh ah. we get the show started guys? yeah all right. Okay, it was going, and then it, it was going, going. And now the music stopped. <laughs> I don't know why. It's back again. It's back. Here we go. Back. We're here. Come on, Nick. Let's hey, do it. We're live. I can't see you though, Father Anthony. Can you see me? There we go. Ah, there we go. Hey. Hey. I've grown accustomed to your face, and now I can see it again. Uh, <laughs> I just to, can we just do the bumper music the entire podcast? Can we do that, producer Nick? Just, just let it go. Producer Nick, come back, come back. Say no. hi to the people. They want to hi, see people. Is, I'm producer is, Nick. Is um executive assistant Riley around? No, she is not. Mm, that's sad. Oh, that's okay, sad. you can go away now. Bye. Well, this is a new one for us, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we are live. We are live streaming our recording of the podcast this week, mm -hmm. which is uh. We got to find stuff to do, right? Apparently, this is the thing to do. We're not and doing now, it because other people have already done it. This is... Well, no, other people have done it, but they haven't done it as well as us. Probably not. Yes. We'll see. Yes. And now people get to see us in our natural habitats. Mm -hmm. I know. Yes. Wearing t-shirts. Oh, you've got nice, nice collared shirt on there. Yeah, nice collared shirt on. Delightful. My, my, I'm drinking my, out of my... A bit of my library. Yes, you can see the library. Beautiful. A bit beautiful. of my library. Yes, yes. So, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, well, we had we had Palm Sunday, mm -hmm. and I got to preach Palm Sunday. So we had some of our priests there, and we did the live stream of all of that, and uh, it was good. But it was weird because after that, I uh, played about six hours of video games straight <laughs> with my buddy Taylor Schroll. I haven't played video games like that since high school. I was a lot. I was so enraptured in the video games that I missed the first hour of WrestleMania, which is very sad. Which brings me to the questions I need to ask you, Father okay. Harrison. Do you <laughs> oh, no. feel like, um, do you feel like what was the best part of the Firefly Funhouse match? Was the fact it the that critique? I didn't watch it. Was it the critique of John Cena in particular, or the more meta commentary on wrestling as a whole? It was the fact that I didn't watch it at all. Why? There the were two part. nights of it. There were two nights of it, and you watched neither night of it? That's correct. It's so sad. Because I'm normal, chill, and cool. Sometimes you need to stop being normal, cool, and chill, and just be nerdy and have fun and watch wrestling with no crowd. It was an amazing thing to behold. <laughs> so how did you spend WrestleMania? So yeah, so there it was 
broken up over two nights. So we had Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit weird. So you're watching these matches with no crowd, which is just weird. Mm-hmm. But they had two, two segments, one on each night, where they did a kind of like movie magic kind of wrestling match. And yep. one they had with The Undertaker. So The Undertaker could use all of his spooky powers because of the movie magic. And mm-hmm. it was it was a beautiful thing to behold. So that w- those were really highlights. It was not just good because the whole thing wasn't just good because, you know, they did their best in the circumstances they had. Mm-hmm. It was actually one of the better WrestleManias, in my opinion. So I was in my happy place. I played video games nice. and <laughs> watched Excellent. WrestleMania. It's weird, though. It's weird because I'm used to, like, having three masses and then hanging out with my youth group kids and right. then being exhausted. And none of that happened. So that was weird. That um, That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I my weekend was just quiet. I what did I do on the weekend? I to be honest, I don't even remember anymore. Mm-hmm. I had a I remember I well, first, welcome to Clerically Speaking. Yeah. I'm Father Harrison. And I'm Father Anthony. And we have fa- producer Nick. I almost called him Father. Yeah. Producer Nick. Woo-hoo! In the background. Oh. Uh, perfect. Perfect, <laughs> Nick. Perfect. <laughs> so um anyways, yeah. So uh I, I I slept really badly on Saturday night, but it, it was funny on Twitter. It seems like everyone had a horrible night's sleep on Saturday night before Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I had just a headache all day and it was just not a lot of fun. Um, but I did a what I did for Palm Sunday. I had mass and we streamed it live and everything. So that went really well. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, uh, I had blessed the palms at the mass and then. Uh, afterwards, I t- let my parishioners know if you want to drive by, I'll do kind of like a, a drive by palm handout. Okay, a drive through palm handout. Drive. Because a drive by palm handout is someone just driving by in a car and throwing palm out the window, which I'm in total support of. Like, that's great. I, I think it's How do you know I did not do this? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't know what happens. Do, in not, yeah. do you not trust my arm? <laughs> no, I think it'd be amazing. It would be anyway. So okay, drive through. Uh, so people would park out in front of our uh, parish office, and I, I was out there the entire. I said I'd be there from ten forty-five to eleven forty-five, and I was out there for the entire hour. Cars wouldn't stop coming the entire yeah. hour. Cars came, and I just like for me, it was just such a nice opportunity, even if it was for ten seconds, just to say hi, yeah, and to see faces. I was obviously I was properly gloved up. I had a mask on, and I um and everything but it went so well we had over 100 cars come through wow yeah it's great which and is parish most, actually has my like parish actually 105 so like, people so that's pretty impressive yeah. <laughs> so it was just nice to see the family see the kids um ask how everyone's doing how they're holding up uh it was just a nice little opportunity to kind of reach out and and see your parishioners so um and to find out like the other nice thing was i just kind of started doing this for those who don't know i've been streaming my masses on twitch.tv slash Father Harrison. Um, and uh, you don't have to like suddenly put in your plug. This is your podcast. So just like plug it. <laughs> Guess what, folks? I am streaming mass at twitch.tv slash Father Harrison. Um, so we so I've been finding out a lot of parishioners have been streaming in like and a lot of them have been even okay. telling me that they were they don't usually go to daily mass, but they've been watching daily mass oh, and they've yeah. just been so they've been uh, <laughs> they've been so uh, appreciative of the fact that we're trying to find some way to do some outreach in this time and to help them spiritually while they're at home. So that was just, it was just a really joyful time for me that Sunday. And then obviously this last week I've been driving to people's houses to do confessions through my window and uh, that's been going really well. So yeah, it's, it was, it was a neat thing. So I'm, it's like we said, it's going to be a weird Holy week, but I'm also, 
I'm also ready for this, by the way. Ready so, for, for for Holy Saturday. So okay. because I've essentially had to celebrate Holy Saturday by myself before. Right. When I was in the Yukon, I've gone up to help out in the Yukon a few times. Oh, for, okay. For yeah, yeah. the treaty one. Because mm-hmm. well, they have no priests up there. And one Holy Saturday, I went to Telegraph Creek. And the people who usually look after the parish weren't there. And a lot of people were just out of town that day. So there were like six people at the vigil mass. Six people and you. And none of them knew how to read. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Sorry. One or two people were able to read. And so, but we did like the minimal amount of readings. Mm-hmm. We had no baptisms or anything like that. And I had that vigil mass was done in an hour and 15 minutes. Fascinating. And so I'm like ready for this. I, yeah, I've done no, it you before. Are. Have you, have you been practicing your exalted? Well, the thing is I'm not going to do the exalted. We have oh. a transitional deacon and he uh, he's going to be doing the exalted and he is super excited. I've been, and by excited, I mean horrified. So um, <laughs> I remember when I was a deacon, I was like, I get to do this now. Mm-hmm. This is this is you see that in the ritual there, Father. It says the deacon. So <laughs> guess who's doing it, Father? The deacon. Last, last two years we've had we've had permanent deacons at my parish, yeah. but none of them have been like, oh, Father, if you want to do it, please, please go ahead. I don't mind at all. <laughs> so um, <laughs> no, I'll just be um, concelebrating, and uh, it'll be for me. It'll be pretty easy. Now, yeah. question, question, liturgical yes. question for you: How did you do your Palm Sunday? Because I think I broke some liturgical rules. What do you mean? So there's different forms, different entrance uh, forms of how you do Palm Sunday. Uh, The first form is that you have this whole like mini liturgy and you have like a procession and then you have mass. And a lot of times people used to sing this. This is when the priest probably starts in the back of your church and then does uh, the gospel reading and the welcome and everything. I just did the first form, but I did it all up at the altar because that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I figured, you know what? Weird circumstances, but we're going to do this anyway. We're going to spiritually process. It was definitely me taking a little bit of liberties with the rubrics. But that's what I did. All right. Did you not read the instructions from the Vatican? Did I read the instructions from the Vatican? Just between you and me and the people on the stream. No, I didn't. I see. Because they said you're supposed to use form three. Mm. Mm. Uh, but I'll be honest. I, 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 I did sort of mostly form two, but this is, and this is my reason though, is that I encouraged my parishioners and they did this actually. I was really impressed by it. They either went straight home and did a procession around their house oh. with the palms, or they put them outside their car window as they were driving home as a procession hey. to church. So, because the whole point of the blessing of the palms, for those who don't know, it's not really just to have something, that, something neat to hang in your cross for the year. All right. The whole point of blessing them is for the procession. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I, I thought it was to, to distract the little kids during mass because mass is really long because of the long reading, and that way they can long. make little crosses and not and not not, be so cr- not crosses, swords. Sword, you also make swords with your palm. Absolutely. Both it's are not a cross, it's a sword. Palm. It's a sword. <laughs> it's, there's the hilt, right? And the yes. blade. So, anyways, yeah. So that's kind of why I, I pretty much did form two with the mm-hmm. idea that after mass, people would be kind of doing their procession back to home type of idea. So Wonderful. I didn't quite follow the instructions myself, but because um, <laughs> I well, otherwise, because form three doesn't even allow you to bless the palms. There's no palm mm-hmm. blessing, right? So you just right. kind of, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, let's go into the ready, the Summa Tweetologica. 
Yeah, it's going. It's going. I can't hear it. Can you sing it? It's doing great. I'm not going to sing it. It's beautiful. It's as beautiful as normal. Something. It's probably good. Oh, has anyone ever told you, Producer Nick, this is a long bumper? No one has. Oh my gosh! How long does this take? No one has ever told me. Wow. Do we do this for every podcast? I can't hear it live. People are saying do it live, and I, I can't hear it. I'm playing it. They don't understand. They don't understand. They're just late people like you. You gotta just let them go. Just let them go. And now it's going again. Now it's oh. going again. Now it's going again. Please don't play it again. Turn up. We are, so, <laughs> we are so professional here, clinically speaking, right? We are so professional That would have been the greatest troll, though, if we just played it like three times in a row to see if anybody noticed. Exactly. People but, would notice. But people are going to have our comment over the bumper this week. Yeah. So they're going to oh, have yeah. to listen. Because guess what? This is the podcast, folks. We are actually, re- what we're doing here is we're doing the live stream, but this is also what you're going to hear on on Friday when it drops. So, or Heck Thursday yeah. night. Uh, but yeah, so the Summa Theologica with St. Thomas Aquinas' uh, a summary of theology and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, let's uh, start up with, let's, with, a, with a tweet from a member of a dynasty. From Edward Habsburg. Mm-hmm. He says, at Edward Habsburg, he says this. Don't let them tell you don't need to read the Old Testament. You would miss out on so much. Some is wild, some grim, some even alien. But most of it is incredibly beautiful and familiar. You will understand our faith, prayer, and our God better. Do it. And it's just what I, I like that just for a simple reason, because he's he's dead right. We we so often focus on the New Testament. And it, I mean, obviously, uh, because of who Jesus is, what he reveals us to be, etc. But the Old Testament is there to point towards Jesus. And you can't really understand Jesus without understanding the old. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, right? Um, as he says in Matthew's gospel, I come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Not one letter will fall from the law, he says, right? So the whole point of the Old Testament is it it first tells us about who Jesus is and points the way to him. But also, especially as we know through the liturgies, especially of times like Lent, Mm-hmm. I find the whole test, like, like for us priests, we, when we're reading the breviary um, during uh, Lent, where for the first three weeks we're doing Exodus, we're hearing the whole story mm-hmm. of the salvation of Israel from Egypt. And so this idea that we are being like, that we are also in Israel in a way, in a, in a mystical way, in a way. So all these these things tell us about who we are as Christians. And so we really need to delve into them, into the stories, into the characters, into the wisdom that's offered there. And in the warnings as well, like the prophets, for example, right? Like the warnings of the prophets tell us what we ought to be wary of so that we can follow God properly. So um, I'm this way, I'm with, with uh, Habsburg there. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, read the old Testament folks. You know, uh, so I, I asked you, but you haven't read uh, the new Benedict uh, Cardinal uh, Seurat book yet. Have you? No, I'm waiting for it to come in. So the first chapter, it's their book on celibacy, is wait, wait, wait. Uh, before, sorry, you're saying that you've read something by Benedict before me. I've read at least something. Yes, yes, one thing. It looks like I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart here. But you should treat yourself because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
anyways, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so yeah. his first argument, it, it was interesting because uh, he begins by talking about how the uh, how important to understand the New Testament priesthood to look back at the Old Testament priesthood and Christ um, taking these two things that are found in the Old Testament: one, the the liturgical or sacrifice and worship, and also the critique of the prophets of that. And he combines right. them into what becomes the new priesthood. And he uses that to talk about celibacy. It's really a brilliant argument. Mm -hmm. um, but you begin to see how important if you misunderstand or if you don't read or if you outright reject the Old Testament, you will mm -hmm. not understand authentic Catholicism at all. You mm -hmm. won't understand the Christian faith. And whenever you look at um, St. Paul talking about the scriptures in the New Testament in his letters, he's talking about the Old, the Testament. Old Testament. Those were the scriptures. You know? Did the Gospel of John exist when St. Paul was writing? No, not at all. No, I uh, mean, like, we, most of his letters, yeah, they don't start really being written to, like, the 50s and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, right. Now, I will say this. I will say this. When, I, when people ask, like, where should I start in the Bible? I usually tell them to start with a gospel. Because mm -hmm. I think there's less context needed. Um, it's easier to jump right into that. So, right. if you're going to read the Old Testament, I think it's good to do so with, like, a good commentary or right. with a good Bible study. Um, but yes, absolutely, you need to do that. Right. Awesome. Cool. What did oh, you? Got? We don't have. We did. We did not collect a lot. I know. Of I just realized that. So I'm uh, going to effort some stuff while you go on to the next one. Okay. So I'm not going to read a tweet, but I, uh, I got oh. into a whole big conversation on my secret Twitter uh, about poetry today, and uh, one of one of my um, uh, hotter takes was uh, that I think that William Blake is uh, is terrible and possessed by a demon, probably, and that uh, Walt Whitman who. William Blake. Who? William Blake. Who? Father Harrison, question for you. Do you read any poetry? Is no. this your jam at all? Not at mm. all. No. Oh, okay. So let me tell all you right. a quick thing. Like, I'm going to give you my hot take on this yeah. guy. So William Blake, he's the one, the poem, you know, Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night, uh, or something like that. Does that okay. sound familiar? Nope. Feel for fearful symmetry, symmetry. Nope. <sighs> anyway, so this guy, this poet is actually in our bravery. Uh, okay. In the back appendix section of the breviary. Okay. Yeah. And this really, really bothers me because his whole poetical project was this weird kind of syncretism between heaven and hell. And he was trying to merge them together in this idea. And for me, that sounds really demonic. And I feel like whoever put him in the breviary didn't understand that because this is my thing with poetry. It's not just what's being said, but it's not just how something is being said, but the message is actually the message itself. And I think a lot of times, People ignore that, and that really bothers me. So that was my whole big thing on the Twitters today. Cool. I'm sorry. I was only half listening, honestly. Right. I was, I'm hoping I was... that you came up with a tweet while I made something up. What? How did that happen? <laughs> That's, probably that? That's probably Producer Nick. That's probably Producer Nick. What is wrong with you? I don't uh, know. What is wrong with us? So on the screen Everything, popped apparently. up something from Sister Teresa Alethea. Yeah. I, I, that happened. The, I, I can do the things. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. So that means when we get to the presbyteral exhortations, producer Nick is able to, you know, go through all the questions and then pick them out and put them on the screen for us, right? Heck yeah! Woo -woo -woo. Awesome. I am right, right about my William uh, Blake take. He was definitely possessed by a demon. Okay, but Just how do there. you know this? Because of his artwork and his poetry. He's a weirdo. I don't like him. Okay. All I right. just I wish I wish we could talk more about this because I have strong feelings. But that's okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to, I just found the street right now because uh, yep. it's in the news. So I think it's important to talk about what um, news uh, from at Vatican news. 
The Holy See Press Office issues a statement on the decision of the Australian High Court to overturn Cardinal George Pell's conviction for abuse. And so um, the article goes on to say what the statement is and that essentially they um, they're obviously uh, welcome. They're welcoming the decision is what they're saying. Right. So they're not being overly exuberant about it, per se, because of diplomatic stuff. But uh, they're it seems that they're pretty happy about it. So for those who may live in a dark corner in the edge of the universe and have absolutely no connection to anything online at all. Cardinal Pell was acquitted yesterday. Uh, so this, today is Tuesday. That was Monday. Uh, he was acquitted of all charges of sexual abuse uh, that were that he was. So he was found guilty for the, just a little history. For those who don't know, he was found guilty of uh, sexual abuse of minors back in 2018. And then he appealed it, lost the appeal at the Victoria, uh, the, the court in Victoria. And then so he had one last uh, occasion for appeal, which was with the National High Court. Um, kind of like the American Supreme Court, essentially, with every part of seven justices. And those seven justices, all of them, like this is what's really amazing to me, because especially in, a, in, in such a high profile case, it was a unanimous decision. That's huge. Right. Like, that's huge. Um, no, there was no dissenting opinion whatsoever. Um, so they and they acquitted him of all charges, saying that there, it is highly probable that someone that someone uh, innocent went to jail mm -hmm. for a crime they didn't commit. So um, now, and there's been a lot of commentary already. Obviously, right. a lot of people have opinions about this. Uh, I'll be honest, personally, I was actually like jubilant. I was honestly jubilant because if you're someone who, especially if you work in the church, if you have like any semblance of how parish life is around masses, and you hear the evidence that was put forth at trial, you just know that what is being presented is impossible. Yeah. Right. And you know of the innocence. Now, this is not a comment on any other things about Pell or anything like that, but I, I was jubilant for one reason. Justice had been exercised properly and an innocent man has been released from jail. And I think it's important to be happy when uh, justice is probably properly enacted, especially when the innocent are made free. So I was actually like, like I actually kind of like literally screamed in, in happiness about mm -hmm. this. Now, at the same time, I do recognize, obviously, you know, this, this brings up a lot of things for people who have suffered uh, from a stuff around abuse. And I, and I totally understand that, but it, it's, and, you know, and, and it, our prayer is always there. And our jubilation is not, Hey, look, so, you know, someone who obviously was guilty was set free. That's not it at all. Um, it's that someone who was innocent was, was set free so that the proper boundaries and stuff are put in place so that those who bring a, bring forward things around this nature, we know what the guidelines are to make sure that a proper case is brought so that justice can actually be brought against those who who do harm to, to minors. So anyways, I, I, but I think this is actually a really, I don't know, I think it was a really good thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's, that's, that was a big thing when you read um, the evidence and you if you have any idea what happens especially in a sacristy at a cathedral with a bishop it just seems so ridiculous that this could have possibly have happened um and so uh, people like reading what had happened or what was accused like this is just practically impossible uh and so yeah um that was the cause of the the joy from a lot of people on the internet which makes perfect sense mm -hmm. uh have we ever read a po a tweet from pope francis on our podcast I think so. I think I think we're gonna do another one because sure, do it. Why not? So this is just this is what Pope Francis tweeted. 
And by Pope Francis, I mean whoever's in charge of his account. Uh, <laughs> there is whoever is the um, the uh, administrator Riley for Pope Francis. This is what this person posted. There is always times in life when we fall. Each one of us is a sinner. But what matters is our attitude before God. We ask for the grace to persevere in service and when we fall, the grace to weep as Peter wept. Hmm. Hashtag Holy Santa Marta. Um, is there a feast day today? What's what's the hashtag about? I'm not sure. I don't know either. If anybody in the chat knows what that hashtag is about, let us know. Uh, but yeah, so this is the big thing. We, we focus, this is, I'm sure we talked about this before, but it bears repeating that how we react after our sin is incredibly important because very often, because we have crazy little goblin brains, what we will do is that we will try to make ourselves feel bad that we have sinned, not out of um, repentance, but out of a self-indulgent self-loathing that mm -hmm. if I punish myself enough, then I will earn the forgiveness that I ask for. And we don't do this like on purpose. This is just, it's not like right. we consciously do this, but if we search our hearts, this is often what happens. But what is so important is to, after sinning is to kind of let go of your sin and turn towards God. And that's what God wants you to do. The idea that you need to like hide yourself in a dark room, spiritually speaking, or literally speaking, mm -hmm. um, after you've sinned, that doesn't come from God. He wants us to turn to him. And so, yes, there's going to be acknowledgement of sin in that case. Right. And there's going to be a, a sorrow over sin. But the the holy and good sorrow over your sin isn't a sorrow that makes us hate ourselves. It's a right. sorrow that, in a sense, uplifts us because we are kind right. of our tears. We're weeping. But we're weeping in the light of God's love and the beauty of that, not so much in a despair or how despicable you are, um, because God wants to lift you up out of your sin, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it, it, you know, it's actually just a little interesting because, like, I hadn't read that tweet yet today, but um, mm -hmm. that was actually kind of like the content of my prayer this morning. Oh, yeah. I was okay, like, you and the Pope, you guys are in sync we're like, this. we're like this man like, <laughs> it's just beautiful like, together yeah yeah um anyways no just this idea like recognizing your attachments and record like i think when we're praying over this stuff like it's about like yeah you don't want to be it's not like this idea of like the self-loathing or beating yourself up is never healthy no <clears throat> and it doesn't do your good any good in your spiritual life and if that's the way if that's the way you're approaching your sin then you gotta there's something else to check there. Now, of course, <laughs> you don't want to be self-loathing about your self-loathing, you know, uh, which can happen. Uh, but the way I was kind of going through my mind is just recognizing like, wait, Lord, I still have these attachments in my life. And I recognize I don't want to let them go because in a way, like, because I don't feel enough sorrow for these attachments. Like, and it's nothing like super serious, but just, you know, we all, we all have attachments. We're trying to always overcome in our life. Right. right. But I found it like really helpful in my prayer to just honestly and openly say that to Jesus and to say, like, I recognize I'm not loving you enough right now still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in a way, like, because like my prayer life has been quite consistent lately i'm recognizing that that's actually this is actually the lord working things out in my heart so that the sorrow will come yeah absolutely. the sorrow will come mm -hmm. but it's a, like this is why we call it like a gift of tears right it's a gift mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not something you're going to work on your own we don't pelagianly like try to just like 
poke our eyes until we start crying, right? <laughs> Go into a dark room, listen to super emo I'm really music. Sorry, Jesus, I'm really sorry. Just take a crucifix and hit yourself over the face with it. No, exactly. we don't want to do that kind of stuff. No. Um, oh my gosh, that reminds me of, I, I'm not sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before or not, but um, so you know how like, especially in minor seminary, and if there's any minor seminarians or uh, like new newbie seminarians listening to us, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna make fun of you a little bit. Uh, you know, how you're like, you're super zealous and and we've got a group of guys together. There's always, it's not always, but you got a group of guys together. There's a chance there's gonna be a kind of competitive sort of thing going on. Yeah. And so that would, that would competitiveness would play out in a kind of performative <clears throat> piety in the chapel. And so for me, what I was doing was that like I could kneel and my knee would hit the ground to make a louder sound than anyone else when they knelt. So uh, that's what I would do because I was dumb. But what this other guy did is that during the uh, penitential rite would instead, you know, you know, uh, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, he would just go like through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And we would look at him like, are you OK? Did you break your rib? What's going on there? And I bring that up to say it's like you, you don't get extra points for like hitting yourself. Exactly. Spiritually or, speaking or physically yeah, exactly. speaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the tears or the sorrow, I think mm -hmm. more importantly here is the sorrow will be a gift. And it'll come from God and it'll be a gift that comes out of love. Right. It's the sorrow that recognizes I haven't loved enough. And I and I recognize that I haven't loved enough because yeah. the one who loves is giving me this recognition. And I think this is the important part. Mm -hmm. is not rejecting me in this right is not rejecting me in this mm -hmm. but it says here's who you like it's here's your heart and here it is in all its blackness and i still love you yeah mm -hmm. and this is i think the key for recognizing sin is it's in a way it's like looking at it through jesus eyes pope benedict loves to say that faith is looking at at reality through the eyes of jesus mm. And I think that's well. What's the most real thing than your than the human heart? So looking at that with the eyes of Jesus and saying like He sees the darkness and the blackness and the attachments and everything. Yep. He still loves you, and so the sorrow will come of I haven't loved you enough, and I want because I see the great gift you offer me, and I want to give my whole self over to that. So yeah, perfect. Cool. And finally, the hashtag Santa Marta. That's where he was giving the homily. It's a snippet from his homily. Thank you, Chad. Gotcha. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, great. So, well, now, before we go into our next segment, I mean, because... Before we go into go... the next segment, Producer Nick, go away. Before, before we go into the next segment, um, we usually, you know, it's presbyteral exhortations, but neither of us are dressed presbyterally. I am a presbyter, so any way I dressed is presbyteral. <laughs> I'll be honest, like, so, you know, yes... Guess what, folks? Priests, despite many popular opinion, do not wear their clerics 24-7. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Producer Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Producer Nick. Um, yeah, so when you're stuck at home all day and you can't go out anywhere, I'm just wearing like t-shirts and stuff. And it's Listen, nice. because here's the deal. Here's the deal. And no one has really like mentioned this, but like since we're talking about it, let's talk about it. Like, I just don't like wearing dress shirts, and a clerical shirt is a dress shirt. It's not comfortable. Even the nice one. Oh, someone has is Father Anthony wearing Joseph's Technicolor dream coat? No, I just have excellent sweaters. I have so look at this cardigan. This is beautiful. It's so nice out. Why are you wearing right. a sweater? Because because I wanted to dress up for the podcast a little bit. And a sweater oh. is comfy, right? I will be honest. I actually kind of because the t-shirt I was wearing before this would not look good on camera. It was an old ugly yellow t-shirt. 
See, Father Daryl is wearing a golf shirt today. He, exactly. He's jumping in in the chat saying, yeah, absolutely. Okay, quickly. I don't know if I mentioned this before. The other nice thing, what I've been doing every day, I've been saying mass in my slippers. Have you said mass barefoot yet? No. Well, I have. Mm -hmm. I have done that before with the missionaries of charity. Mm -hmm. I'd say mass in their chapel. But no, I've been wearing slippers. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. He's, I mean, Anyways. Here, here's, here's, here's the deal. Like, there are certain perks about being a priest and being able to say mass in your house in slippers. That's one of them, right? Like different vocations have different gifts. One of ours that we have after giving up every, because our, our sole portion is Jesus, right? We don't get the other ones. We get Jesus, just him. Like you get to say mass uh, in your slippers. Okay. That should be on vocation posters. Before we go on, I got I got to correct a heresy in the chat. There's a heresy in the chat. What's the heresy in the chat? Father Daryl says sandals and socks mass is where it's at. No, well, listen, listen, wrong, we can't be wrong, 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 wrong. What the whole point of sandals is to not have socks on. Mm -hmm. That is the whole so that you can wear them in the sand. That's why they're called sandals. Sandals, okay. Okay? sandals and socks are the um. Oh, my gosh. I'm get myself in so much trouble. So sandals and socks are to are the uh, Steubenville formation program of footwear. The Steubenville formation you program. You got to explain this one. <laughs> so the, like the, the, the priestly formation program at Steubenville, unless it's changed drastically is isn't Just... not formation. And it isn't formation either. It's this weird, awkward in between thing, which is not good yeah. and healthy. And I think it's very bad. Let's say nothing about the good guys who, who are involved in it. I think they're fine. I think the whole project is messed up either join seminary or don't join seminary, either wear shoes or wear sandals, right? This yes. in-between thing, none of that. That's no, bad. No, that's called syncretism. Mm. And syncretism is a heresy. Yeah. And you want to know where else we like to talk about heresy? In presbyteral exhortations. There we go. Nick. Yeah. <clears throat> I bet they can't wait to learn. There's no dialogue, but that's okay. There's a dialogue. <laughs> What? It's just the music. It's not us. We can't oh, wait to learn okay. either. Can we, can okay. we do it? No, we no, do it no, it's live? okay. No, because we're, we're, we've already recorded it. It's already happened. It's happened. It's happened. It's happened. So now what? No, we, not, nobody, not we can't wait to learn. It's up. time. It's time for... Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyways, welcome to Presbyteral Exhortation. Wait, wait, quick, quick, wait, quick, wait, wait. Okay. Wait, let's talk about the bumper for a second, though, because it is an okay. underrated bumper. Okay. And the voices are Nick and I. We just did that in, like, what, two takes? None of the bumpers took any significant amount of time or a uh, stupendous <laughs> oh. amount of creativity. I was like, hey, dude, I got an idea. And Anthony's like, yeah, let's do this. It was so much fun putting yeah. that together. Uh -huh. Okay, good. Cool. Um, so we got we're gonna do a little something different for those in the chat who are watching live with us today. Um, we are going to do a kind of live QA for our presbyteral exhortations. Mm -hmm. So uh any questions you got. As long as they're good. And then so what's going to happen is yeah, you can um, ask any question. We might not yeah. answer your questions. So maybe you're bad at asking questions. All okay, right. Here we go. From yes. Alexander Raj. A question for uh, P.E. Producer. I don't know what that means. Okay. How can men and women deal with discernment in this COVID time? I personally am not discerning at this time, but there's got to be a ton of seminarians and lay people who are struck by the pandemic. Ooh, this is a good question. I like this question. Yes. Okay. Discernment in a time of pandemic. Well, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Can you go ahead. No, no. I'm. I'm I think this is really important. 
that uh, and I, we talked about this in a previous podcast mm -hmm. that this pandemic is very much so a test in the sense that it is revealing a lot that was hidden before, right? Yeah. So I think for those who have been feeling a tug on their heart one way or another, okay, take a look at the world. How are people reacting to this pandemic? You see a lot of things. You see a genuine hunger and thirst for the sacraments, right? Mm -hmm. Is there something in your heart that makes you like, I wish I could help, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you think about the priests who are doing these heroic things about going into a hospital when someone's dying and that stirs something in your heart, that's evidence to bring, you know? Um, if you are by yourself and you've been isolated and you're like, wow, I really like this time for more meditation and contemplation, and you're actually doing that and just not playing video games all the time, maybe that's evidence you need to bring. So I think this is like, a really weird extreme time, but by doing the same thing you do whenever you discern, looking at your heart, um, seeing how you react to things in the world, looking at what the church is and the church's reactions to things, like take all that as evidence into your discernment. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's, 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 it might actually clarify a few things in this weird time. Right. Exactly. Like I think like if, if, if suddenly your spiritual life is falling off and you're just like, I don't care about God in this time or much, and you find that your spiritual life is, I mean, listen, we're all going through a unique time obviously um but if you're finding like everything's just tanking and you're not able to kind of recover then perhaps that might be even a sign that either you got to work on some stuff first before you go into seminary or religious life or maybe that that's not where god where your heart's meant to be that's okay like it's not these aren't again when you have negative things come up in your heart it's never a bad thing that's god working his will out in you so that's not a bad thing so but i and, and everything else that father anthony said i think is really helpful just if especially though if like i think this is a real time to i know it's weird because we're not like receiving the eucharist but it's is a real time to really grow in intimacy with jesus mm -hmm. um so if you're finding that the intimacy is growing and you want to spend more time with him then i think that gives you a sign that says i i need to do the things necessary to see if this leads to religious life or priesthood all right. So from Simon Ortiz, how did Father Anthony and Father Harrison meet? So for those who don't know, uh, we met because of Twitter. Yeah. And the podcast started before we ever, ever even met in real life. It's very true. <laughs> the first time I think we talked, like we heard each other's voices, was a planning meeting for the podcast. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, uh, yeah, for, for those who may not have heard in the past episodes or whatever, this idea for this podcast came out a year and a, just over a year and a half ago now where we were wanting to talk about father Anthony's like hey we're, we should talk about jordan pearson's 12 rules for life and we were and father anthony was really into standalone podcasts at the time right like you're doing the flu and stuff like this right oh i was doing yeah. joke podcasts yes i was doing yes. a joke podcast yes and the joke podcast was me reading my tweets in a wrestle in a wwe style promo and declaring myself king of catholic twitter right so that yes. was my <laughs> yes. Anyways, anyways, um, but yeah. So we we were um, and so we just it kind of just started from there, and then we finally met though in real life, uh, in October when October I came October of two thousand sixteen, seventeen, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. No, eighteen. 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 I'm bad at years. What years is, it? is this? Two thousand twenty. Yes, it's is this 2020? It is 2020. Yes, okay. we're in the roaring yeah. 20s. So yes, um, so this is why. Yeah, so that's that's when we finally actually met in real life. But mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, this podcast exists because of Twitter. Mm -hmm. All right. So Riley McCatholic 
asks this question, what is Jesus doing in our world through this? Well, he's he's uh, giving people an opportunity to tune in live to our podcast. And I think that's great that Jesus is allowing to do this. Yeah, I Next agree. question. <laughs> I wonder if she meant the pandemic. Too Probably bad. not. She didn't clarify. Yeah. Besides, she's the producer. Let's get questions from the people. <laughs> Teresa Williams is going to beat me up. <laughs> Could you? With a proper social distancing stick, though, obviously, right? That's true. She can't beat me up because of social distancing. But after the pandemic's over, she's going to beat me up. Um, could you please share some practical... This is from Teresa Williams. Could you please share some practical steps to take or book... Res to take or book resources that help on how to grow in humility. I know that I struggle with it, but I don't know what else to do to improve on it besides taking it to prayer. Greetings from Austria. Cool. Okay. Uh, I've got... I've go got for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My simple thing is always this, because humility is the virtue that compares with the vice of pride, right? So... Uh, the best way to grow in humility or to contradict pride is the, pride is the highest of the deadly sins. Mm -hmm. It's the most spiritual. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is to deal with the lower ones first. So if there's, if you find that you're not good with anger or sloth or acedia or um, jealousy or, or gluttony or whatever, the best way to start, like, like for me, the one I always like to use with people is to say, start fasting a little bit. That'll help you deal with, the sins against food. And then that actually helps you grow in humility all the time. Cause because pride's so spiritual, it's hard to hit, hit directly. You have to hit it through the other virtues and vices. And the thing is like by working on the other virtues, you'll start noticing how like pride's in everything. It's like the sneakiest of, of, of vices. Um, it'll come up in like, in just absolutely everything. And then you'll realize that, Oh crap, I'm prideful in everything. And then you'll be like, I shouldn't be prideful in everything. And that's your pride speaking about how you shouldn't be prideful in everything. It's crazy. Okay. So yeah. just relax. And also to realize that like, this is something we're kind of always going to be struggling through. So don't be like, Oh, I've got like a week in quarantine. Let's get rid of pride and sloth. That sounds like a good thing to do since I have some free time. No, no, no. You're going to be working on this your entire life. And it's going to be getting deeper and deeper. But that's not to say you will experience more and more of God's freedom in this. You will experience more and more healing. So it does get better, but it's always um, the same war, different battlegrounds kind of thing. So uh, to kind of you're struggling with pride and you're upset you're struggling with pride. Well, the first thing to accept in humility is that, wow, I'm a really prideful person. I can't beat this all at once. Yeah. There you go. This is from Angela Weigand. Do you think the distribution of the precious blood should come back to the congregation post-corona time? I think that if your parish used to do it, then I think it would be good to do it again. Um, I'm not like the, this is, oh my goodness. This is such a, um, a hornet's nest. Uh, but I think people coming back back to the Eucharist and back to their parishes, I think it'll be good to let them come back home in the sense like, okay, what did your parish used to do before this? Right. Like you shouldn't make any big changes because people just want what they're used to. And there's something good and normal about that. Okay. 
if you're going to change how you normally distribute communion, that needs to take time and there needs to be education. There needs to be reasoning for it. You don't just be like, ha, coronavirus is gone. Gotcha. No more precious blood for you, right? Um, even if like I might be a fan of only receiving under one species, I think there's... <sighs> yeah. Me personally, I don't know what I think. The thing I think is, though, I don't think we're going to see it too quickly because there's going to be very gradated reintroduction back into society. So I don't, I don't like until this thing is totally kicked. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see the precious blood for some time, though. Right. That's also, it's not going to be, it right. might not be up to your priest, right? It might be yeah. up to the bishop how he decides yeah. how to do this. So, um, um, so I'm not against it. Yeah. I, mean, I agree. I'm not against it. I'm just yeah. like, it just might be a while. Like we might be a year and a half before we distribute the blood, precious blood again. Mm -hmm. This is from uh, Nicole Strobel. Uh, Father Anthony, what is your favorite Italian dish? Uh, my favorite Italian dish is <clears throat> uh, my dad's homemade ravioli. There's nothing better than that. It's what we have for Easter. It's what we have for Thanksgiving. It's what we have for Christmas. And I love it every single time. So it's just are you homemade having, ravioli. Are you and having it this Easter? Oh, yeah. We're having it this Easter. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, um, uh, with ricotta cheese, and um, yeah, it's just the best. Will your parents make me some in August? Uh, ooh, my mom would say yes. My dad would would probably. I don't know what he would say. He'd be like, who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. Like, who's this? <laughs> uh, our dad would say, "Oh, we don't give the good stuff to the heathens." <laughs> he would say that. That's exactly him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron Brown's MC asks, which three saints would you want to sit down with for a beer? Okay. Oh, um, St. Augustine. Absolutely. I'm really on a blessed James Alberione kick lately. So him and. Hmm. Do you want to know something? I think it'd be really fun. Just just out of fun. Not even in terms of conversation. I just think it'd be really fun to watch St. Teresa this year have a beer. Oh, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, okay. For me, it'd be um, Teresa of Avila, just because I think it'd be a lot of fun to have a beer with Teresa of Avila. She's got a lot of personality. Um, St. Joseph, because he's my dude. I'd love to have a beer with him. Um, and then what else? Ah. Um, and just because he's my favorite saint, I don't know how I would kind of like, but yeah, uh, Ignatius of uh, Loyola, those would be my three, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, it's funny how we uh, it's funny how this all works sometimes. It's like the, the hard thing is, it's like just three. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If we go to heaven, we can have beer with all the saints, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so Talia Guevara. Ask any creative suggestions on how we can help our parishes during these weird times. Yeah. My th you know what? One of the things is, so I, I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, but I want to kind of reiterate it. Remember, the parish is not just the institution. Okay. It's not just the building that you come to every week for mass. It's, that not, you just, do. <laughs> it's not just yeah. the bingo on Wednesdays. Exactly. The parish is the geographical location of all the baptized faithful who exist there. Okay. So doing things to help the parish might just mean right there with your own family, um, reaching out to other parishioners, like especially those, like I want to really encourage, if you know any single homebound parishioners who can't really get out or who just have no family in town, call them, say hi, send them a letter even, drop off some cookies at their front door, whatever it is, find ways to reach out to them. That's a bit. And then 
one of the things I've been, you know, I hear little bits about like how families are reaching out to each other, helping each other, praying with each other online and stuff. That's all the work of the parish. And it doesn't have to all go through the priest. And so I think, I think this time is actually helping us to realize the parish is larger than the building, which is, guess what? That's the church. Yeah. And, and larger than the priest. Yes, exactly. And that a lot of the faith formation falls on our own shoulders. And so finding ways to support and encourage that, whether it's doing, you know, phoning people, uh, you know, I know some people where their neighbors are Christians and so they're praying with each other in their yards every night, keeping social distance. Like there's, it's hard to give a suggestion because I think the doors are wide open about what you can do. What do you think? No, I think it's good. Uh, I would only add, um, one of the things that um, we're kind of doing is getting our parishioners to call the other parishioners and say hello and check on, on each mm -hmm. other. I think that's important to like form community and also um, pray that the Lord deliver us and bring us back to his altar. Oh, the priests are just scared. Thomas Aquinas would drink them under the table. Uh, you know what? I, I would, <laughs> I would love to try to go shot for shot with Aquinas. That would be, excellent evening so he would probably cut us off because he's prudent right mm. yes exactly exactly mm. uh all right scuffed to shoes i'm allergic to wheat so i can only receive from the cup how can i receive communion after this i th oh it's easy in that case obviously that's easy there'll be chalices available for that i'm just saying like with the large for 200 people receiving the precious blood that's not going to happen maybe right for a bit. talk to your <laughs> parish priest talk yeah to your and, parish and, priest and they'll make it happen beforehand. absolutely mm -hmm. yeah I saw a chasuble at a flea market. If I ever see it again, should I purchase and take care of it properly? And what would it mean? That's from Barbara Mazetta. Yeah, producer Nick. Only I was going to caught my mistake, producer Nick. You stay behind. No, go away. Go away. What are you eating? You're eating during our podcast? Pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Um, so, yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I would say don't. If you can afford it. Yeah, I would I would buy it if you if yeah. it's not like a huge like burden on you or anything. Yeah. Um and then maybe see if your priest wants it or if it's like ugly and should be burned, then you maybe can have a nice holy fire and burn it is what I yeah. would say. Or give it to your diocesan archives. Right? Or that good mm -hmm. chance that it's probably from the diocese. Mm -hmm. Uh I'll give you one example. Our diocese um they had some old vestments that were beautiful but were really falling apart, so they they you know respectfully cut them up. And made them into the bags that we use to distribute the holy oils every chrism mass. Hmm. So that was a kind of a nice thing, right? So you never know. So, you know, give it to the archives or take a picture of it. Send an email to your priest. Say, hey, would you want, do you want me to buy this or something like that? Um, you know, I think if, if we find holy things that, you know, to help ensure that they get back into the right places, it's never a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, Producer Nick, Father Dan is telling us to answer his dubia. Do you know what his dubia is? What's the I question Father Dan is asking? I don't know when um when too many chats go by, I can't go back. Mm -hmm. uh, hold on, give me one second. Well, well, while you're doing that, I see a question in the chat that I'm going to answer. Yeah, okay. which one? Uh, best Balthazar book to read, five, uh, Father Harrison. Um, only um, one. Pick one. Only one. Only one. Pick one that's not the Christian state of life. That's well, the challenge. Oh, oh, here it is. Okay, good. I want to since we're live streaming, you guys can actually see this. So this is volume one of the theological aesthetics. As you can see, it's been uh, well used because the 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 uh, the by you know I've I've written in it a lot. 
Um, I tried to read like the first like three pages of that book and I was like, bad. So here is the thing with this book. Uh, The first 110 pages is like his real introduction. This is a tough read, though, by the way. I'm not saying this is something anyone everyone should just read. Um, But this is the this is one of this is a great book. Um, The reason it's. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, (laughs) two sisters in the spirits also really good. (laughs) Two sisters in the spirits also really good. But anyways, um, this book is the first 110 pages, though. He's essentially expecting you to have read and understood the entire history of the philosophy and theology of aesthetics. So this is the book you're recommending to people? So they're asking me the best book. They didn't say, should I read the book? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Okay? So I remember reading this. I'm like, wow, you're going through this really fast, Balthazar. Well, it's because he's like, I expect you to have read all this in German, by the way, too. So, uh, But it's really, really awesome because it really helps reintegrate the subjective and objective sides of our faith. That is always important because too often we go to one extreme or the other. And he's trying to bring these two things together properly. Um, I would suggest, even though it wasn't asked of me, his book uh, on prayer is really mm-hmm. good as it yeah. gives you a lot of fuel to pray with. He's not telling you how to pray. He's giving you things to pray with. It's like a good tool for prayer. Um, and that's what he tries to do with it. And I thought it's, it's very good. Much more yeah. readable. Yeah. This is from Sarah Butchels. Um, Sorry if I mispronounced your last name, Sarah. I don't pray much. What? No? Nick, you guess producer no producer nick you come back here you can't just show up and shake your head at me and then come off the screen you try to pronounce sarah's name right now or else you're fired buckles okay fine um i don't pray much okay i don't pray much or at all for various reasons i am not watching mass because i equate screen time with multitasking very good point. Uh, what do I do to live with spiritual desolation? Oh, yeah. What do I do to live with spiritual desolation, especially without the mass? Okay. Okay. So first of all, if you're avoiding, this is actually a, a problem. So much faith stuff is happening across the screen right now. And this is ironic. I am worried <laughs> about that because a lot of yeah. times when we think of screens, we think of Netflix or video games or entertainment or bad things. Right. And so if you, you do those sort of things a lot, it can be tough to go into prayer mode when you're looking at a screen, okay? And ultimately, faith isn't something to be watched or consumed. It's something to be practiced and lived out, okay? So that's very important. But I don't pray much or at all for various reasons. There's no good reasons not to pray. There really isn't. And I understand being in that place. I've been in that place before, you know? I've been in that place as a priest. I was in that place as a seminarian at times. I was in that, you know, place as a layperson where you're just kind of in darkness, right? But you don't get out of that darkness by not praying, right? So you actually do have to do the difficult thing of turning your heart and your face towards God. And so if you can't do that right now, you begin asking God for the desire to pray. So that's where you start. Ask God for the desire to pray. And you will eventually feel that desire well up in your heart, either because you'll feel that desire or you'll be sick and freaking tired of hitting rock bottom and being sad. Eventually you'll get angry enough or sad enough where you have to change something. Okay. That's one way to do it. The better way is right now start praying. Yeah. And so what I would suggest with that, with the praying is Mm -hmm. often mental prayer is very difficult in this time. Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest is say, I'm going to read a page of scripture a day, or I'm going to try and pray a decade of the rosary, keep it small and manageable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just say, I'm going to, no matter how badly I feel, no matter how much I even want to run away from praying right now, I'm going to say this decade of the rosary. It's five minutes, not even five minutes. Yeah. 
and you do that consistently every day and you're going to start to realize wait i don't die and it's not bringing any harm to me to pray yeah. and that'll help dig you out a little bit but this idea of staying consistent in prayer is really important so if even if it's minimal do something that you want that you and something concrete that you can really focus on every day uh but sarah like great question thanks for yeah. being vulnerable because a lot of people are in that same spot so thank you yeah Favorite WrestleMania moment. Oh. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Okay, Rachel, gotta go block her on Twitter. Okay, yeah, you, you do. You block Rachel on Twitter, and we'll talk about. Nick, Nick, I want you to jump into it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Nick and I have only been wrestling fans for the last like what three, four years, maybe. Yeah. Um. So we watched a little bit when we were kids, but we really weren't allowed to because back when we were kids, wrestling wasn't very good. Um. Morally speaking, a lot of the segments. Um, so we just got back into it for funsies what, a few years ago. So I haven't seen a lot of the WrestleManias. Now I have like listened to all the wrestling podcasts and like watched all the wrestling videos. So I know more than I've actually you know seen in my own time. But for me, like the most energetic moment was when the Hardys came back at what, what WrestleMania when the Hardys came back? 34. Uh, and so I remembered them and it was cool that they came back and just hearing the crowd and everything, it was super exciting. And then the ladder match after that was like just nonstop. It was just a great, so just that was really super exciting. I really enjoyed that whole that whole moment. So that's the first one that popped into my head. Uh, but really, I think now my favorite WrestleMania moment is the Boneyard match that just happened between AJ Styles and um, The Undertaker. I just loved it so much. It was so good. If, yeah. you, if you have any memories of The Undertaker, you, you just have to watch this. It's It's amazing. Um, the best Father Harrison. Oh, hey! The best WrestleMania moment is when Shawn Michaels super kicks Ric Flair at his retirement match, and right before he does it, it's like if if Ric Flair loses, he can never wrestle again, and he's sixty years old. Shawn Michaels looks at him, and Ric Flair is trying to get up, and he can barely stand. And he says, "Come on!" He does the hands like I can take it, and Shawn Michaels says, "I'm sorry, I love you." Super kicks him straight in the face, counts him out. The melodrama. It's beautiful. Oh, it was it's great. It was great. All right. Here comes a uh, Father uh, Harrison question here. Let me find one for you. <laughs> Does this mean Father Harrison gets to talk about hockey? No, not really, because hockey's not on right now. Right. <laughs> so wrestling is superior. It's, uh, yeah. I actually don't. I mean, it's tough. I miss my hockey. So Why are there apps in the chat? What happened? Oh, for, uh, for, for me. I'm having to listen to wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, in effect, I, I am too sad to pray through Holy Week. I, if I still observe the fast on Friday, can I just pretend it's a normal weekend? Or would that be wrong? It is not a normal weekend, though. It's not. It really isn't. Um, the church, while obviously she normally is constituted through the Eucharist, obviously, and which is present to us through the Mass, the church is always present to us because of our baptism. And so this is the day the church lives deeply the mystery of the resurrection. And so it isn't like we, it'd be nice to, maybe, um, but I think it would actually increase the sadness if we didn't celebrate it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, if you are sad, you need to bring that sadness to Jesus. Like the most difficult. This is what when people get they tripped up. It's it's not just you, Elena. It's it's everyone. Yeah. We don't like praying with our emotions that we don't like. Right. But those are the most important emotions to pray with. So avoiding that, avoiding your anger or avoiding your sadness is giving in to the temptation of the enemy. 
Because if you avoid those things, you're never going to get healed. If you avoid those things, you're never going to see what's underneath them. Because a lot of times, those those stronger emotions, they're they're hiding some so, sort of thing that either the Lord's trying to tell you or heal you or something. So you have to jump into it. And also to remember that um, the liturgical year is real. So like there are certain graces that are going to be given to you on Passion Sunday and Good Friday. Um, so don't, don't, don't play into, and this is, I'm going to say this because sometimes we like to play into our own sadness. And mm -hmm. I say this as someone who has struggled with depression. Okay. Sometimes we, we romanticize our sadness and we romanticize our depression. And we like to think ourselves as special for being sad. And I'm sadder than anyone else in the whole church right now. And you've got to grow up and wake up. And I say that as someone who has struggled with all these things, right? So you have to let go of that. Give your sadness to the Lord in a real way. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. But but you can't just ignore it. That's not going to be healthy for you. It's just not. Yeah. Nope, like I, I said, agree. a lot of people right. probably struggle with that as well. So, okay, I'm going to use this question uh -huh. as an opportunity to promote next week's podcast. Because the okay, question... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. The question comes from Bishop Umbers, who's going to be our guest next week. Does he know that? He does know this. I've okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. So Bishop Umbers asks, clerical question. What should the relationship between the bishop and the vicar general look like? Um, and then he goes on. He goes on to say chair and CEO, good cop, bad cop, emperor and head of Praetorian Guard. Uh, I like the idea of good cop, bad cop. Uh, quick question. What yeah. is a vicar general? Uh, so the vicar general is the essentially the bishop's right hand the person he so a vicar means like someone who is a, an assistant right essentially in the church to put it simply um and he's the assistant in all things for the bishop so uh helps ensure that the bishop what the bishop wants to do in the diocese that it, these things get exercised right so often has he has canonical authority over certain things in the diocese etc cetera, etc cetera. so um really it's like the bishop's right hand man essentially and i like the idea of good cop bad cop Let's say Father Anthony, you got called into the bishop's office one day. To, to because someone gave him a letter saying how good my homilies are. Sure. Yeah, that's why no. the bishop want to talk to me. <laughs> uh, and I could just see it right now. You know, it's like Father Anthony. The bishop's like Father Anthony. Would you, would you like a? Would you like a? Would you like a glass of wine? Obviously, like, obviously, right? <laughs> it's past or a glass 9 of, scotch. of course you want a glass of wine. A glass of scotch. And then the vicar general comes there, in but we have slaps, slaps the glass of wine out of your hand and says, mm. why did you preach that on Sunday? And the bishop's <laughs> like, no, 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 come on. We got to be gentle with him. So then you see your bishop as a caring, gentle, fatherly figure hmm. and helps and helps like, you know, establish a deeper relationship between you and your bishop because it is meant to be a relationship of father and son. And the vicar general's bad cop moves can really help solidify that relationship between bishop and priest. Thoughts? Um, I think the relationship between uh, bishop and vicar general will be that vicar general uh, promises respect and obedience to his bishop. <laughs> so, like every priest, then. Yes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> so, I just like I, the, I, I don't know much about curial life, so I don't know. I, I, I've never so gotten in trouble. Like Everyone likes me. That's how yeah. I like to keep it. I like to say hello to my vicar general. I like to say I hello know. to my bishop. Cause uh, them no problems because I am a good and holy priest. And these things are above me. I am just a humble parish parochial vicar, and I like it that way. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So that uh, I think that sums it up. So yes, next week, 
Next week, we're going to have Bishop Umbers on. So we're going to figure that out afterwards with time. He's going to come on with us. Won't be a live broadcast, but um, uh, so please tune in next week to hear him on. This is going to be, wait, this is going to be our first Bishop. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Do I make whoa. a new bumper for that? Yeah, be Episcopal, Episcopal pre- exhortations, right? Yeah. How can we get more snooty than that? <laughs> then, then the exp- Try to do an Australian accent, Nick. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. so bad. No. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks for everyone coming in for our live stream. This was a lot of fun. We might try and do this once in a while. So, uh, actually, that was a lot of fun. I think so. Uh, you can find. Um, you can please find us on Google Play. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We're on all those things. Please rate us. Please leave a review. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. You can find me in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> you can find the podcast at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Clerically speaking at Facebook. You can email us clerically speaking at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace. Bye. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now just producer Nick's on. He's really in control. (laughs) 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 Okay, we're done.